Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 28. And we won't see everything in detail, but hopefully we will get a big picture and a bigger picture of Jesus Christ. With those things in mind, let's pray to God and ask for his blessing. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for who you are and everything that you do and have done. Thank you so much that today we get to remember and participate in what we call the Lord's Supper, your Son's Supper, that we get to see visibly his body and his blood and the bread and the cup. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us what we so desperately need. Although we have turned away to other things, thank you for being good to us. Father, would you forgive us for our sins? Would you help us now to believe in the gospel, to believe in the gospel? We need your strength. Would you help us by the Holy Spirit? And I'll also pray for some church members that come to mind. Would you be with them, especially those who have been physically not well? Would you restore them? Would you heal them? Would you help them to be um, recovered so that they'd be more enabled to give you the glory and things? And for those many church members who are suffering spiritually, just feeling so famished and tired and weary, Father, would you help us with your gospel? Would you refresh us, renew us, rejuvenate us? Would you help us to see the grandeur of who you are and help us not only to believe in the gospel, not only to be obedient, but to once again adore him, to come back to our first love, to be grounded in this truth and to fight and defend and to be equipped and to love you with all of our beings and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, and even still, thank you. We have not thanked you nearly enough for what you have done for us. We are so undeserving, yet thank you, thank you. May we grow in our gratitude as we hear your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 28. Again, it's a pretty long passage, but he now... God's word. The Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die but you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 
And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came, knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he, said, he answered, It is not right to take children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Again, uh, it's a long passage, but we're going to have three brief points. And I hope that today you will have a greater appreciation for the Lord's Supper. The three things we're going to look at briefly is sinful habits, sinful heart, and the Savior's heart. Sinful habits, sinful hearts, and the Savior's heart. Let's start with the sinful habits. If you look at verses 1 all the way to 9, the Pharisees were trying to find a way to criticize or condemn Jesus by what his disciples were doing. They were using religiosity as a way, as a weapon to do this, to accomplish this. Why do your disciples break the tradition of elders? See, they are so focused on the outside of things that they completely nullify the word of God. They're so focused on external things that they don't see the value of their inside hearts. And so, Isaiah prophesies, Jesus quotes, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Tradition is not necessarily wrong, but tradition can be wrong. Tradition can be very good, but it depends. We have to be discerning with the word of God what traditions are good and what traditions are bad. 
But the Pharisees want to uphold tradition above the word of God. They want to criticize people with religiosity, with external means. They want to look good on the outside. But the thing is, this principle is something that we do, don't we? We tend to focus so much on the outside, maybe traditions. We don't really concern ourselves with our hearts. We're so focused on what another person does, but we don't really take a look at ourselves. We pray this in the corporate confession. Father, forgive us for looking at the speck on our neighbor's eyes and not really looking at the log in our own eyes. Isn't that what we do? We judge people based on the external things, such as tradition, and we try to puff ourselves up based on external things, such as tradition. This is one habit that we have. We like to focus on the outside, but we don't, we don't really care about God in our hearts. I know a lot of people, and I some, I'm sometimes I fall prey to this, but yeah, just man, spend some time with God. Be with him. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Ten minutes. And then I'm like halfway through the chapter. Ten minutes, beep, beep, beep. Done. I did it. I did my duty. But that's not really a hard thing, isn't it? It's an external thing. We're not really with God. We're not really listening to God. Sometimes we read three chapters of the Bible, one chapter of the Bible, one verse of the Bible. But somehow in five to ten minutes, we forgot what we read. We just do it. It's good for us, these external things, but our hearts are untouched. Here's another way this can look like. If you look at verse 10, Jesus says, Hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. It's not about what you eat either. It's not about these outside things. It's from within. It's your heart. Our tendency our habit is to push away God, isn't it? When we have to take a deep look at ourselves, we don't want to do that, don't we? We push God away. Um, I know of myself and some people that I counsel, I'm like, yeah, you just got to spend, spend some time with God. You know, I have to pray to him. Ask for forgiveness. Yeah, I, I get that. But what do I do after that? God is just a temporary fix in and out. That's our habit. That's our sinful habit. We don't want to address the heart, but we kind of ironically love to address other people's hearts. It's twisted. This is one of our habits. I think this is good for us to know because in your life, I want you to be better equipped to deal with your heart. Your heart. And you can be better equipped to deal with your neighbor's heart. It's, I'll give you an example. I'm going to use my wife. I'm not going to look at her right now. If my wife comes home and she's just feeling terrible, she says, I feel terrible because today A, B, and C. And I come, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just easy. Just do D, E, and F. She's like, you're not listening to me. We want quick fixes. 
But the problem with D, E, and F is because I never really got to the heart of the issue with her. And sometimes maybe I'm just too lazy or don't want to. If you want to counsel someone, you got to get to heart. Why are you so angry? Why have you been angry this past two weeks? Let's talk about it. Why do you lust after someone that's not yours? Why do you commit sexual immorality? Why do you want that so bad? Getting to the heart of issue. Because if we just said, hey, yeah, just don't, don't watch that anymore. Just throw that away and you won't be tempted anymore. That's not the heart of the issue, isn't it? We're giving a band-aid fix to something that's far worse. We have sinful habits. So for yourself and for your neighbors, if you really want to help them, if you really want to help yourself, we need to get to the bottom of the matter, or another way of saying it, the heart of the issue. I'll give you a silly illustration. When we eat using dishes, we clean the dishes so we can use them again to eat. But the thing that Jesus is saying about these Pharisees and the thing that what we do is we only concern ourselves with cleaning the outside of the dishes when the inside is so filthy and it can be potentially harmful for us. It's not good to only clean the outside. You can clean the outside, but you have to clean the inside of the heart. Let me say it a little bit more provocatively that Jesus said about the Pharisees. The Pharisees are whitewashed tombs. That means on the outside, they look all clean, pristine, painted white as if nothing wrong. But on the inside, they are full of dead bodies. This sinful habit is dangerous, destructive. We need to love God from our heart. We need to address our hearts. And our habit is to not do that. And that's our habit. Look at what Jesus says in verse, or the disciples say in verse 12. The disciples came and said to him, do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? They were offended. Why were they offended? Because they understood exactly what Jesus was saying. I'm going to try to dispel a notion um, that's kind of common. Jesus basically said, the problem is not so much outside, but inside. Okay, sure, that makes sense. And since it is in the inside, the problem is you and me. And they were offended. Yeah, I know I make mistakes. No, you don't just make mistakes. The problem is you. You're a sinner. And not just someone who makes mistakes. What? How could you say that? I, I just dropped the ball today. Yeah, you dropped the ball, but you're also a sinner. It's inside of you. It's your heart. It's your essence. And they were offended. I think that makes sense. Everything we are. Sinners. Offended. That's a pretty understandable response, isn't it? It's not like just the Pharisees. If we were there, we'd probably be like, why, why could you say that about us? But that's what he says. And the problem with our sinful habits in verse 13, Jesus says, 
that every plant his heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Leave them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. You can go to all the counselors in the world. You can go to all your friends, and you need, maybe even your enemies get advice and things like that, and get good advice. But if you never get to the heart of the issue, you, aren't you just being blind? You're doing what the Pharisees did, and you will fall into a pit. You will fall. It's not good just to say, hey, just maybe think about a depressed person. Hey, I know you're depressed. I know you're having a really hard time. Just just try to do something happy. Try to get some rest. That's good. That's good. But depression comes from a long cycle of things. Something, depression is not the problem. It's the symptom of a problem that's been happening. Something has been harming this person spiritually, emotionally, physically for a long time. If we don't address that, then his or her depression will still be there. It's good to do these external things, but it is vital to get to the heart of the issue. Why are you depressed? What's been happening in the past month? What have you been doing? What have you not been doing? Are you doing something that's harmful or sinful? Are you around good people? Are they praying for you? The heart of the issue, our sinful habits, is not to do that. If we look at verse 18, we're going to talk about the sinful heart. Oh, sorry, 17 and 18. Jesus says, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Wow. We are not simply bad people. We're not simply people who just drop the ball here and there. We're not simply people who make mistakes. Those things happen, yes. But the essence of us is wicked. Wicked. Evil. Out of our heart come all these sins, these disgusting filth, and that's in you and in me. That's who we are. Why do we get so mad that we want to do something violent, if not erase the person temporarily or permanently from our life? Why do we murder? Why do we commit adultery or sexual immorality in our hearts or in real life or look at something or someone we shouldn't be looking at and violate them in our minds and our hearts? Why do we steal or try to compromise stealing? Oh, they won't really care if we take this. Why do we bear false witness against our neighbors? Why do we say bad things? Why do we slander? Why do we gossip? Why do we crave gossiping? Oh, did you hear about blah, 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 and I can't believe? It comes from us. It's our hearts. Jesus is not saying it's because that person did A, B, and C. That's why you did D, E, and F. He's saying that person may have done A, B, and C, but you still have done D, E, and F because of yourself. You bear the responsibility. That's a hard thing to say. That's a hard thing to listen to. It's a hard pill to swallow. It's not as easy as, we're just bad. We're sinners. Sinners. Whew, that's, this is sad. 
but this is Google. I want to give you a little advice that may help you in your life or in the life of your neighbors. I said you have to get to the heart of the issue. How do we do that? Jesus says, and this is a silly illustration, but I think it might help. If you want to see the person's heart, you have to listen to their mouths. If you want to see your heart, you have to listen to your mouth. What do you talk about the most? That's probably what you care about. What do you not talk about at all? That's probably what you don't care about. That's whatever that is. If it's sin, that sin, sin is the ruler of your heart. It's captive. That's why we say the things we do and don't say the things we don't. It's a hard thing. So what's the solution? Here's something that may be a little bit offensive. The gospel is not saying you need to change morally. Hey, just stop saying these negative things more and more. Just lessen that and start saying nicer things more and more. Just start changing morally. Just start being a nice person. Just be I know you're struggling with that sin. Hey, just let's just do something else. But wait, it's not as simple as that. That's a band-aid fix. Why is it not as simple as that? Because our hearts are ruined, wretched. It's simple as you have cancer, and what do you do to cancer? You kill it. You kill it. We need to die. Isn't that scary? We need to die. That's the solution. Death. Our hearts need to die, and we need to be given a new heart. It's not just a simple moral reformation. It's not just, I'm going to will myself. We need to die. That's what the gospel is about. How do we die? Through faith in Jesus Christ. How does that mean we die? Because through faith you are united to him wholly. And he died truly and really. He took our sins, bore it, and he died. He took it with him to his grave. He died. Well, what about our new hearts? He resurrected. But let me hold that point. Let's go to our third point. Our Savior's heart. What is our Savior like? What's his heart like? You remember what I said? If you want to see a person's heart, you listen to his mouth. What did Jesus say? Did you know in this gospel, Jesus said that he is giving his life as a ransom for many. Many what? Sinners. Do you know what else he said? He's going to suffer and die, be buried and be resurrected in three days, be raised. He was fully about saving sinners and obeying God. That's his heart. I'm, I'm going to give you one more point on that. If you look at verse 19, 
the most profound thing about verse 19 is the person who said it. Jesus said verse 19. Why is that profound? It's profound because in 13 chapter, 12 chapters from here, he's going to die for sinners. But did you know what he knew about sinners? He knew their hearts. Totally. Absolutely. He knew you and me perfectly. He knew how wretched we are, and yet he still goes. That's why verse 19 is profound. He knows our filth, and he goes. Why? Jesus, I love this word. Yes, he obeyed God's will 100%. But did you know that Jesus obeyed willingly? He volunteered. He knew absolutely everything about us, and he went anyway. He knew the cost that it will, it will cost him. He went anyway. What? That's the Savior's heart. He loves sinners and wants to redeem them. And he's not all talk. He really did it. He really died. So the way that sinners can have life and a new heart is through faith in him because in Jesus Christ, we are crucified with him and through faith we live with him. The Savior's heart. That's what we're going to celebrate today. We are so undeserving. We could do nothing to earn God's favor. Nothing to save ourselves. Because our, our hearts are so sinful. But God did everything to save us. Even though he knew us. That's what we celebrate with the bread and the cup. We remember Jesus' body and blood. Why did you do that? That was his heart. So let me give one last word of application. I hope it's last. <laughs> if you look at the last chunk, verses 21 to 28. So what do we do? I get that I have a sinful habit. I get that I have a sinful heart. I get, I understand Jesus' heart for me. That my past, present, and future sins have been paid. And nothing can undo that. Even if I tried my hardest it can't be undone for salvation is accomplished and it is finished. Even if I don't feel that way, I get it. I get it. But what do I do? Just tell me what to do. And if you look at verse 21 to 28, you get this story of a king and a woman. And this story talks about her great faith. If you look at verse 22, she goes to Jesus crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Have mercy on me, O Lord. That is faith. Here's the thing. A lot of us probably wouldn't even do that first step. 
if we even say have mercy on me, Lord, we probably say like, God, I'm sorry. I, know, I, I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. But she went crying. Why? Because she knew who he was and she knew who she was. She understood her heart. She got it. Why don't we do that? Maybe we think too highly of ourselves and our hearts. Maybe we think it's better than it really is. But let's just say, let's say we did that. We went to Jesus, went to God in prayer. Have mercy on me, oh God. Please forgive me. Have mercy. Give me what I don't deserve and don't give me what I deserve. What if Jesus responded to you the way that he responded to the Canaanite woman? Not saying a word. We would probably respond. I got on my knees. I was serious about my prayer, God. How could you? Why do we do that? Why do we get angry at someone who's committed no wrong? Because we're not getting what we want. Because something else is ruining in our hearts. You know how she responded? She begged and cried more. Let's say we did that. And we say, Lord, help me, as she did. What if Jesus said to you, it is not right to take children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What? Are you calling me a dog? Are you serious? I don't need you. I can't believe you said that. How does she respond? Yes, Lord. Yeah, even the dogs eat the crumbs off there. Master's team. This isn't a story about the callousness of Jesus. It's a story about someone who understood who she was. And someone who understood who he was. That she's utterly destitute without him. Even if she has to beg. Even if she's implied a dog. A dog is far better than what you are. I need you. Have mercy. She understood her heart. The application today is faith. Faith in Jesus. How do you have that faith? You realize that you have no other help but Him. No one can save you but Him. Look at His heart. Yeah, but... I, I get it. Okay, I have faith in him. But what do I do after that? You continue to have faith in him. Faith from the start. Faith all the way to the end. Yeah, but faith doesn't really help me. It helps you tremendously. Faith is what saves you. It's the instrument through which God saves you. I don't get it. How does faith help me? It's not practical. What would happen if you had faith? 
What would happen if you acted like this Canaanite woman before God? If you really gave God your heart and said, God, help me. Yeah, okay, I, I, I would pray, and then God may help me, and I may feel better. Yeah, okay, but my problems are going to still be there. What would happen after you prayed and you continue to have faith in God and your problems? I, I don't know. If you continue to have faith with God in your entire life, you would listen to him. You would trust in him, not just in a sphere of your life, but the whole realm of your life. If God says, be slow to speak and quick to listen, you would do that. If God says, stop being sinfully angry and love your neighbor, you would do that. You would surrender because you trust in him and you know who he is and you know his way is perfect. And your way hasn't been working out. Faith. It starts with faith. Faith will also not make you spend time with God. Faith will maybe help you to reach out to those who know God's word. Faith will also help you to get accountability, saying, I, I've tried this myself. I can't do it anymore. I get it. I've lost for 10 years. I finally get it. If I tried the 11th year, it would be insane. I need help. I need help. Faith. That's the application. Faith. When we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper, when we participate, we come before it. We eat the body and uh, the blood the bread and the cup. But we do it, why? Because we fully recognize 100%. It's not that we're bad. It's that we are sinners, totally corrupt, lest God saves us. We have no hope, none. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we see that God has already accomplished the work of salvation for you and me out of his sheer grace. That's what it's all about. That's why it's amazing grace. We had nothing to offer him, yet he gave us everything he had to offer. He knew us, yet he loved us anyway. This is what we're all about. This is what we're going to be about soon, visibly. So there's three things I want us to know, and I hope that you go throughout your week equipped and today resting in what God has done for you. Three things are, we have simple habits. We do. We have simple habits. The way to combat it is to get that sin, after you dig to the heart of the issue, get that sin not ruling in your heart by Christ. Christ deserves that throne of your heart. Once he's there, everything else will fall in place. You will obey him. You will trust in him. He has shattered the dominion of sin in your life if you believe in him. And now he reigns in your life. Sometimes he may come off the throne in your life. Yes, but you put him back on. We fight and we fight. We continue to repent and believe because there is no one else who deserves that throne but him. Sinful habits. We fight. We believe. We repent. We believe. And we help our neighbors do the same. Uh, second point, sinful hearts. We can't do anything else unless our hearts die with them on the cross and we are given new hearts. That happens through faith in Jesus Christ. If you are not a believer, you will be dominated by your sin and you will continue to be dominated. You cannot say no. 
But for believers, you are free. You can say no to sin, and you can say yes to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you are angry, but Christ calls you to love your neighbor, you will say, I don't want to. Please help me, and I'm going to do it. How are you going to do it? By the power of the resurrected spirit in you, Christ. In you and through you. And the Savior's heart. Our last point. There is no way, nothing in life, not even yourself, that could change his heart. He already knew the worst you can do. He has already paid for your past, present, and future. But what do I do if I don't feel like it? You do what the Canaanite woman did. You believe. You fight to deliver. And you believe. And you believe. And after you do that, you thank God. Every day, from now on, till you die, and you see him face to face, and you say, even now, I don't get it. I don't deserve it. But thank you so much. Thank you. Faith. Our challenge this week is to live in faith. Be thankful. God has already done it. And just say, God, we don't deserve it. But we got it anyway through faith, and we love you for it. Thank you for first loving us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much that the heart of the gospel is your son, Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and truth. Thank you so much that you have already done the work of salvation in us and you continue to do it in us as you sanctify us. Thank you that you gave your son, Jesus Christ, for us. Even though we're so terribly wicked. Thank you that he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become your righteousness. Father, I am compelled and I feel like the only thing you can really say is thank you, thank you, thank you, and yet still again, thank you. And even though we thank you more and countless times, it is still not enough for what you have done. Thank you. We love you. Thank you for first loving us. And thank you for the gospel of your son. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.